Kia ora and welcome to Tea with the High Commission. I'm Iona Thomas, British High Commissioner to New Zealand. Welcome to our podcast. In this podcast, we explore the connections between the UK and New Zealand through conversation with some very interesting Brits and New Zealanders. I invite you to join in the conversation by leaving comments and questions. Kia ora, I'm Natasha Beckman, Director of the British Council New Zealand and the Pacific. Today I'm in conversation with Bernadine Evaristo, a British author and academic. Her novel Girl, Woman, Other won the Booker Prize in 2019, making her the first woman with black heritage to win. Welcome Bernadine. Uh, Hello. British Council, really delighted to support your trip here for the uh, Auckland Writers Festival 2023. Yeah, it's great to be here. Lovely. And uh, But I believe it's not the first time you've been to New Zealand, am no. I correct? I was here in 1999 uh, with the British Council, actually, on a tour. And it was to accompany the Commonwealth Writers' Celebration. So there were lots of writers from the Commonwealth and a group of British writers had been brought over. So I was here for about, maybe about two weeks, in Auckland and in Wellington. Fantastic. That's quite a long time ago. Have, have any of your like it, it? impressions changed? Well, I, I was looking up the population of Auckland mm. compared to when I was here because I remember it being very quiet. And of course, it isn't very quiet now, not, not relative to then. And I think there are about half a million more people mm. than when I was here. So I think there were about a million people or so, and now it's like 1.6 or something. Um, and also, the demographic has definitely changed very very diverse in a way that I don't remember from 1999 and everybody tells me yep that's true you know a lot more people from all sort of regional areas are here yeah interesting oh well it's great to have you back yeah uh so you're going to be speaking at two sessions over the next two days at Writers Festival uh on and you're going to be talking about on never giving up and the book arrived yes so never giving up is based on your memoir of the Mm -hmm. same name and in your book, you talk about the struggle to be recognised and offer advice for creatives who might have had a crisis of confidence at some stage. What do you put your tenacity down to and what advice would you give young writers, creatives and even young people today? I think tenacity is something that you develop as you go through life, you know. I think if you have things very easy at the beginning, you don't develop the skills that you need in order to survive the obstacles life throws at you. And life is always going to throw obstacles at people, irrespective of their background or their occupation or whatever. So I think I came out of a background where, you know, my parents struggled to be together. We were families struggling in a hostile environment in London in the 1960s and 70s. And where, as a black woman coming of age in Britain in the 80s, it was a very difficult time, especially as a a black feminist. And... And then I have always pursued what I want to do. First of all, it was theatre and then writing. Although I I also dabble in theatre again. But um, if if you're doing what you want to do, and that's the only thing you want to do, and that's what you feel passionate about, and that's how you feel you express yourself in the world, it makes it a lot easier to keep going, even though you may not be getting everything you want from your career. And until I won the Booker Prize, I wasn't getting everything I wanted from my career. But my career was progressing and developing. Um, after you won the Booker Prize in 2019 for Girl, Woman, Other, you joked that you were an overnight success four decades in the making. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, because everything changed overnight. And 
I, I had gone from somebody who was known by the people who knew me to somebody who was much more widely known and read and also, um, you know, celebrated in a way. And it was just incredible, the difference between uh, the night before the booker and the day after the booker. You know, I think as writers, you want attention for your work. You know, if you're going to spend years writing a book, you want to reach as many people as possible. And if that's not happening and you're ambitious, then that can be very disheartening. And suddenly, everybody wanted to talk to me. I was getting all these translation rights being sold for, for Girl and other, but also other books. I think it's about 66 at the moment, so that's like 40, over 40 languages, which is phenomenal compared to before the booker, I had four translation rights, right? So four to 66. Uh, well over a million copies sold in the English language alone, you know. So it becoming a bestseller in English and, and other countries, in England and other countries. So everything changed for my career. Interesting. Thank mm. you. Uh, and you wrote a note to yourself 25 years previously about winning the booker. Can you tell us a bit about your ambition behind that and also the sort of um, steps towards your manifestation of that? So... I uh, used to do a lot of personal development courses in the 1990s when I was in my 30s and I was working on achieving my dreams, actually working on having really big dreams of where I could go with my career but also the whole of my life and one of the things I picked up along the way was something called uh, manifestation. Um, at that time, I called it creative visualization, or it was called creative visualization, but it is manifestation as we know it today. And that is where you focus on what you want and you visualize it happening. And I did that for um, winning the Booker Prize in 1997 when my second book was published, before it was even eligible to be entered for the Booker Prize. And certainly nobody was going to be entering it for the Booker Prize. But I, I did creative visualization around that and I wrote affirmations about winning the Booker Prize and that was because at that stage of my career it was my second book I was very much outside the mainstream of the industry I was being published by two tiny 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 publishers the first publisher was People Tree Press who were now much bigger but they were very small then second publisher was called Angela Royal Publishing who uh, I don't think they ever published more than 10 books before they disappeared so they were so tiny and we know that the industry, the, the, the buzz in the industry is often generated by the, the bigger publishing houses, or at least it was then. Um, and I knew that the thing that would make the difference was if I won the Booker Prize. And I was also really aware of the Booker Prize because once you're in the publishing world and the, and the novel writing world, you realise the Booker is the thing that gets all the attention. It's the prize that everybody knows about. It's a prize that has huge impact on people's career and atten the attention they receive it, they receive and, and so on. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to aim big, why don't I visualise um, winning this prize? Now, that's not why I won the prize. People think, oh, well, that's what you do then. You write it down, you visualise it and it happens. No. Um, and I wasn't winning to win the prize because that would be me trying to write to some kind of formula that would result in the Booker Prize. And actually, there is no formula for winning the Booker Prize, if you think about it. Um, each year, books, especially of late, but, but you know, I would say probably in its history, a lot of books win the prize that you cannot even compare to each other because they're so different. Each year, there are five different judges in that room coming from five different kind of um, cultural backgrounds, hopefully, increasingly so, and with different interests and so on. 
and whatever the power play is in the room, um, that's going to result in and who wins that prize. So you can't write to win the book prize, but you can write to be the best writer you can be, to keep pushing yourself, to keep developing, to keep growing, and also to believe that you are entitled to the great things that are available to you as a writer. And one of those things might be the Booker Prize at some point. Fantastic. That's very inspiring. (laughs) Uh, You said that all writing is political. What do you mean by this, and how is that evident in your own work? Yeah, because I think, you know, the politics of how we live our lives, the context within which we live our lives, is political. You know, this, this saying, the personal is political, which, you know... I don't hear people saying that very much today, but that used to be an expression, certainly in the 80s, 70s and 80s and even 90s, you know. So we don't just exist in the world in a vacuum. You know, we exist in a world where there is all kinds of power dynamics and hierarchies and vested interests and all kinds of identity formations, whether we call it that or not, and where you are situated within particular contexts. And writing is not novels are not fiction or you know I say all writing. Let's talk about okay. Let's talk about generally. Writing is not divorced from that. You know, people write out of particular their cultural backgrounds, their interests, the kind of relationships that they're a part of, their connections, their educational background, their political beliefs. More directly, their political beliefs, um, the kind of uh, aesthetic the literary aesthetic that they are inspired by and that they write, um, and many, many other things, are part of the world within which we create our literature and which is imbued with all of that in one way or another. So you can look at any work as as a political work, even though a lot of writers, or maybe not a lot, but a lot, some will say, I'm not political, because they think if it's political, it's political with a capital P and it's making a political point. And that's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about the really wider sense of political with a lowercase p, which is the whole mechanism within which we exist in this world. So that's what I mean by that. Interesting. Thank you. Um, my last question is, is about... Oh, oh, I loved reading the book, by the way, Girl, Woman, Other. Um, and the, the last chapter with the character, I think it's Penelope, is that... Yes. Um, she, find, she has a DNA, DNA test later in life and finds out that her ethnicity is different from what she thought. And I think in an interview, someone was asking you about this moment and you were saying things are messy and complicated and nuanced. And I really liked that because I do find lately in a lot of uh, discussions particularly around politics the the discussions become very um, categorized and polarized so I just wondered how you how you respond to that and also how do you use that as inspiration for all the different characterization in, in your in your work I think you know if yes we're living in a really interesting time difficult time in many ways and I think it's so interesting because years ago Everybody obviously had opinions about things, but you didn't have a platform to express that opinion. Mm. The, the, you know, the, the, the voice in the world really was the people who had power, the media, um, you know, the people who wrote books, and so on. But now people can be even more powerful, for example, on social media. You know, if you have a big following and you gain critical mass with your opinion, you can be very, very influential. You know, they're called influencers, aren't they? The people... Who, who, who some of the people who have that kind of power. Um, 
And you could say that's the democratization of our society, right? That we all have a voice and everybody can say what they like. Um, but at the same time, there is a downside to that, which is that there is a kind of mob mentality and there aren't the kinds of checks and balances that existed before, um, but some people say that was a kind of censorship. You know, everybody has a voice, that's great. But what happens is that it's generating a lot of conflict mm. and people struggle with that. And I'm talking about, I'm not addressing any particular issue here. I'm just talking about across the board, right? There are arguments being held all over social media, in particular on Twitter, because Twitter, you have a certain number of characters to express yourself. It does not, it does not give you the chance to express really an argument. It's, a, it's an opinion, it's a soundbite. Sound bite. You don't even have to produce evidence for what you have to what you say. You can, you can be incredibly knowledgeable on Twitter. You just say something, everybody thinks you know what you're talking about, but you don't necessarily. So it's, it's a difficult thing um, that we're dealing with. Uh, and what, what we can do as writers, as novelists, is explore humanity. You know, through characterizations as novelists, we explore what it means to be human. And what it means to be human is a, is a lot deeper and a lot more complicated than people just having opinions about issues. And as we know, it all becomes very polarized. But when you embody the complexity of humanity in your characters, which is what I try to do, and what people have noticed about Girl, Woman, Other, that these are not simple characters, you know, they're complex because we all are, absolutely we all are, then I feel we're enriching those conversations in a way. Um, and it's a really positive intervention into a world where we're not getting the depth of critical thinking because it's the depth the depth of critical thinking that is um that is um missing you know thank you for this uh, opportunity to have this dialogue today and um to speak with you and get to know a bit more about you but i think also just being part of the Writers' Festival and all the different panels I've been to so far. Uh, it's wonderful. It's almost like sitting in on a dinner party, but they've had great people from all different perspectives coming at a top topic with all their viewpoints. And um, it's been really refreshing to hear that, rather than you say a little soundbite on Twitter yeah. of one voice. So um, so thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Welcome. Good to talk to you. Yeah, and I look forward to hearing you soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tea with the High Commission. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can find us on iTunes or Spotify. Thank you very much and kakite anō.